0: You're listening to The Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to The Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. Today I'm joined by a special guest. We have Mike MC Williams with us. Mike lists himself on Facebook as a Christian servant warrior, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a veteran, a police officer. And a chaplain. Mike, it's good to have you with us today.
1: Well, it's an honor to be, be here with you. I'm happy to help in a way I can.
0: Absolutely. So you list two things on your Facebook page. You're both the executive director and the chaplain at the Centurion Law Enforcement Ministry, and you're an officer and criminal investigator at the Colorado State and Municipal Law Enforcement Agencies. Tell us just a little bit about both of those things and
1: what you do. So I, I'm an active, um, a state, um, an active uh, police officer in the state of Colorado. I've been in law enforcement now for 33 years. And then um, I am my full-time position as a criminal investigator, detective, whatever you want to title you want to use. But officially it's a criminal investigator for the state of Colorado. But that's my, uh, uh, from a biblical perspective, that's my tenant making job. And then um, on a part-time basis, on a secondary full-time basis, I'm also a police chaplain, and I'm the executive director of the Centurion Law Enforcement Ministry, and we're just a a national outreach by, to, and for um, my fellow law enforcement officers. Uh, We're affiliated with the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers USA. Uh, I used to be, I spent nearly a decade on the board of FCPO, um, and I lead our our, our Colorado State uh, chapter uh, of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers, um, which is also affiliated with So they go hand in hand. The focus is very simple. Uh, We seek uh, to bring the peace of Christ to the peacemakers in law enforcement. Ours is a true mission field. The vast majority of police officers do not have a saving faith in Christ, yet they serve in in a God-ordained profession in Romans 13. So that's my call. Um, It was other cops who led me to faith in Christ, uh, this guy who called me into ministry, and my primary ministry is to my own law enforcement, um, and so I carry, I wear the uh, chaplain hat and the police officer hat simultaneously. It's that's still a kind of a relatively rare thing. Uh, people think of a they'll they'll yell out it's a separation of church and state, and then I'll hand them a copy, uh, the copies of the of the Constitution I carry with me, and please please show me what page that's on. Now, I'll be I'll be patient. and of course, it's it's not in the Constitution. So um, uh, that's that's the focus. That's uh, in brief uh, um, my calling in life. Uh, I'm a Christian first, uh, husband, uh, uh, a dad and a, and a grandfather, uh, and then uh, yeah, a cop and a chaplain after that.
0: Well, that's awesome. I definitely encourage people to uh, follow you on Facebook. I know for me, it's been very, very helpful. And I think this gets to our discussion, especially with everything been going on in 2020. It's kind of been a year to forget in some ways. Uh, It's been very, very strange. So we've we've had multiple things happen. First was sort of the virus, which, uh, you know, really took hold March, late March, April. That is still going on. But now recently we've also had the riot situations in cities. Um, in many ways, it's it's interesting for your field because law enforcement officers have been really at the front and center of most of that. Um, we've had a lot of media attention. Of course, you know, we live in the era where everything's being captured on cell phones. So I'm curious from a law enforcement perspective and your perspective, what sort of is your general reaction to everything that's been going on and, and particularly in, in the law enforcement field?
1: Well, I would... I would... I've been in law enforcement for 33 years. I've been on, I was in the military before that. Uh, <laughs> um, in my 61 plus years, I, I would say that in my lifetime, this is the most bizarre, most, uh, I want to say alarming, but I'll explain that in a minute, but it's, it's been the most challenging certainly of my career been through a lot of different things. I watched us uh, be vilified. Um, uh, on multiple occasions, almost always based on some false, uh, uh, false yeah, narrative, uh, something not based on truth. I can I can state that you know, in a personal opinion, that that almost everything has to do with this COVID nineteen deal has been an incredible overreach, almost on a bizarre level, and almost all the uh, projections have been wrong. I guess uh, some people say, well, I actually got told I was racist for saying the projections were wrong. I, I'll say straight again uh, that, that telling the truth is not racist. Truth is truth. And, 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 but the word racist has been hijacked. Now, racist means you disagree with my, uh, with my leftist worldview. They don't even know what the word means, which I think is, is a real slap in the face for those who are truly victims of, of racism. But anyway, uh, going back to the COVID 19 situation, I cited and, and uh, posted even on my own Facebook page uh, uh, a number of uh, memes and uh, you know, pictures of me holding a constitution and so forth. Uh, my encouragement to my fellow law enforcement officers in these very difficult times is, is that you must not violate your oath. In other words, we should not be about carrying out unconstitutional or illegal orders. We can't do that. We have to say no. And or, or carrying out uh, directives, which, which may not even be or are probably not constitutional. So all across our country, police officers have been, some have lost their jobs, some have quit. Um, others have, have uh, said, well, I got to pay my bills. So I'm going to go ahead and carry these out. I am I'm fortunate in my police role that my chief, uh, who came to this country from another, from, from England, became a U.S. citizen. He's a strong believer in the Constitution and stated we are not going to go around and become uh, masked Nazis. Uh, we're not going to go uh, fight people for doing things which would otherwise be absolutely legal and constitutional. So, so I've been fortunate in that, but that's, that's certainly not been the case for all. And then secondarily, now uh, in the wake of the, um, the, the, riot, the rioting stemming in part, I think, from from the situation in Minneapolis, uh, let me just say that the 99.9% uh, of all police officers in the United States are appalled uh, by how things went down in Minneapolis. But I probably am an exception in that I insisted from day one that we wait for the facts before we pass judgment on media-driven videos that aren't. They don't have the rest of the story, and um, in no way defending, um, particularly ex-officer Sheldon's uh, actions. But as I continue to say, wait, wait, wait. What do we find? Well, it changes my perspective, um, but apparently it does not change those who are on unt- the perspective of those who are intent on on using this incredibly sad and unfortunate situation drive an agenda. And and I am not a conspiracy person, uh, a conspiracy theorist. I don't really hold with a lot of that stuff, but having looked at this from an Intel's perspective on the background, it is really hard to imagine that what we've been seeing is really about uh, this incredibly unfortunate um, death of a suspect in, in Minneapolis. And uh, now, and I say this, look, yeah, here's the facts, and I looked them up first. I, I I write for Law Officer Magazine. I speak all over the country. I'm a I'm about sharing facts. And uh, I said, look, uh, you know, I t- I talked to my friend Travis Yates with Law Officer Magazine, and I said, um, have you seen the policy and procedure manual? And he goes, what do you mean? I said that particular uh, thing he's doing with his knee, that's in policy, and it's it was well, I don't know if it's still there today, but when this went down. That was absolutely an approved uh, use of force restraint to not for carotid, but to uh, to use that in the same way we we've done lateral vascular uh, neck restraints. Not chokehold, because he was never choked, but um, that was that was that was approved. Now nine minutes and after someone passes out is another proof. Um, but but the move is approved, you know. And again, you look at the. Um, you have to understand that so much of this is media-driven. The results of the test following Mr. Floyd's death, well, he was high on meth and he's high on fentanyl. He had a host of medical conditions. Those things contributed to his death. He resisted arrest. The police didn't just show up there. Uh, by the way, a black officer, uh, two white officers, and an Asian officer, and one of the white officers, Mr. Sheldon, was married or is married to a, an Asian. So there's, there's no hint that the call, somebody didn't just call dispatch and say, hey, could you send uh, four racist cops out to go arrest uh, a guy who just happens to be black um, for, for a call? There are so many wrong things about this, how this is handled, but there's zero evidence, zero, none, Zippo, that this was, was race-related. Um, and if I'm having a hard time even understanding how in a fair, if there is such thing anymore as a fair trial, I don't think that in a fair world that they can get a conviction on this. I think they increase the charges against Mr. Chauvin knowing that they're going to have to go back to where they were. The original charge, murder in the third degree, which here in Colorado is a criminally negligent homicide, probably... Appropriate charge. I, I read the the arrest warrant affidavit. That is the charging document. And I, whether they can prove it or not, I don't know. But a, a probable cause is clearly there for the charges. Um, they failed. The real issue here is they failed to provide uh, Mr. Floyd with aid. And it's our job under our oath to protect even suspects. In other words, he resisted. He wouldn't get in the police car. They pulled him out of the police car and. And what I'm afraid is going to happen, and the real question what's going on here is that in most circumstances, the public and the media are demanding the body cam video. They are not demanding the body cam In fact, the body cam video so far has been even denied the officer's attorneys. So something really strange is going on. The only body cam video we have is from the fifth officer, which is a... a, Minnesota, Minneapolis park police officer, separate agency. Uh, that was the, the, the one body cam video, which we did have. And it's really very weird to those of us who are closer to this, why the body cam video hasn't been released. And, uh, two words come up to come into play in this and it's excited delirium. If this guy was really on fentanyl and meth and showing those symptoms and they recognized it. And apparently one of the officers, recognized it, uh, and even asked Chauvin, says, we, we need to get this guy on his side. Well, it, it Chauvin refused. And the only way these officers could have prevented what occurred here would have been to forcibly remove Chauvin from the suspect. You can say coulda, shoulda, and I've removed, I've stopped people from using excessive force, but people get fired for that. <laughs> I mean, in real life. So it was, a, it was a no-win situation. And again, I'm not making excuses. Um, for what hurt you, it was incredibly tragic But but uh, bottom line for us is um, and, and, and I, I can say you, you want to protest, it's fine But riot and terrorism Riots and terrorism Are not protests
0: Yeah, not the same thing And not protected by the Constitution either Correct The, the other question, I, 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 you brought this up And I think it's a good point I've seen some transcripts um, and I do not remember where they came from, but that had sort of captured some of the officer dialogue. And they were talking about this excited delirium. And there's conversation between them about that. For people who don't know, what is that and why would it be an important factor?
1: Well, not all agencies get trained the same way. Um, and and I don't want to try to confuse your listeners too much. and if They can just Google. I would suggest they not Google ED they would get a, a different. Uh, <laughs> Something different. <laughs> Something different. But um, if they were to Google simply police and excited delirium, if to break it down in its uh, most, uh, in its simplest vein. Uh, essentially, it's this. If they if they, if train, officers who are trained in this and who recognize what could be potentially excited delirium, the training, the training is to put them on the ground and hold them and wait and, and call for the ambulance with, it has, a, has a, a procedure and a direct set of drugs, in fact, the only thing that can be used to deal with excited delirium. So it, it would appear, at least in part, that the officers suspected, and I don't know, again, we have to wait for all this to come out. Because, again, the body cam video of, these, of the officers who were in direct contact with Mr. Floyd has not been released and when uh when and when um, uh Wallister magazine requested um those, those records which are which you can put in a request for uh, not only were there was no denial they simply deleted their request and 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 blocked them
0: interesting and you would say that's pretty highly unusual
1: yes i mean look we live in a day and age and, and i was carrying i was carrying a you know tape recorder with uh you know going back to the days of uh Micro cassettes, which I've still got drawers full, a micro cassette recorder, and then a digital voice recorder after that before body cams. Uh, my agency was, was using body cams before body cams were a big thing. Um, and then people demanded that we wear body cam. Well, here's what happened those intent on our destruction who have, uh, whether it's Antifa or Black Lives Matter or any other uh, d- uh, domestic terror groups, and, and let me be let me clear. That's that's certainly how most of us call these groups. Because if you get down really get down to it, the one group in America for whom uh, Black Lives Matter even more than Black Lives Matter is is the American police officer. Uh, we're the ones who fight for people of all colors all the time, and that that group that I just mentioned they only care about it when the police. They only care if the police officer kills a black. Man. And and we could we could talk about the numbers on that, but the numbers don't. The statistics, the, the math, the math doesn't add up. We simply, there is absolutely zero evidence of some type of systemic racism in law enforcement. In fact, if you were to get down to it, it looks like we pick on white people a whole lot more than we do, even uh, based on percentages of uh, you know, the, of the race. So that's not there. But, but it really, getting back to the issue of excited delirium and what really occurred here, uh, and and you you have to discount the what's what they are calling the independent autopsy guess what no independent autopsy took place they brought in a hired gun a hack um and uh, with a dubious background and he never once said that he conducted an autopsy he talked about all he did is look at the video and render an opinion that's all he did there is no there is no evidence that a second autopsy was done none now i'm not saying there wasn't one done but based on the statements, even from their expert that said he was all he talked about is the video. There's he never once mentioned that he did an autopsy. So there was no there. They keep saying
0: a second autopsy, but there wasn't one.
1: And, and, and you have evidence to back that up because he doesn't talk about the toxicology, because if he had done an actual autopsy, he would have done toxicology and the toxicology, uh, the Hennepin County medical examiner's. He's independent. He's not making this up. And 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 but there's other things that are going on even with that. Initially, he says, "Well, there's no evidence from looking at the video. You can't tell him to be how much pressure is being put on Mr. Floyd." Um, and and look, we teach in law enforcement. We teach using a knee to shoulder pin and putting someone down long enough to get them handcuffed. But then we immediately, almost immediately get them into a sitting position. We don't leave anybody in a prone position. We haven't for years, um, used to wait back in the day when people were fighting with us and refused to get in the police car, we would, we would use a hobble and we would, we would hobble, use a, a hobble to hobble the, their ankles to the back of a handcuffs and pick them up like a suitcase and put them in a patrol car. Well, some people died from that, from the, from what they call positional asphyxia, which. There's a whole other set of issues with that. We're not even sure that's a real thing. But regardless, we we are trained not to leave people on their stomach, unless you're in an all-out fight. Well, Mr. Floyd quit resisting, at least overtly, and they should have got him up. One of the officers recognized it and said, we need to get him up on his side. And so younger officers went along with the older officer and now have lost their careers and perhaps even their freedom. All uh, for a series of really bad decisions, none of which, none of which is there any evidence has anything to do with race. In other words, they didn't they they didn't pick that call.
0: Well, and I, I think that's a really important distinction. I've talked to a lot of prominent uh, evangelical pastors, even uh, names that people would know uh, from books and, you know, famous conferences. And we've had interaction on Twitter, and I brought up the point and I said, what evidence do you have that, that that this was racially motivated in any way and the response I was given by one man was come on man and I think the assumption there is well you know it is but I think that's actually a really foolish position especially with what it's doing to the country we actually we just don't have that evidence
1: well there's none but if you say there's none then then you're called a racist for it look I'm I'm married to a woman of color but I am I'm I am, I am white. <laughs> I, when I was dating my wife, I tried to sing to her like very white. And she says, you're not very white. You're just very, very white. <laughs> you're very white. <laughs> so, great. so that's true. You know, I, I, but I have my entire life. I have battled people who picked on other people for how they looked because they were handicapped with the color of their skin. My entire life, even in school. I was, I I was a big kid. I stuck up for the little kids. My whole life has been about protecting people. I think the vast, vast majority of police officers today. And in in fact, (laughs) I look back over 33 years. I can only, there are only two incidents um, of direct racism uh, from a fellow officer towards someone else. And guess what? One of the officers who was overtly racist was black. And the other one was Hispanic. And I jumped on both of it and I got tried to, you can't call me racist. I said, racism is racism is racism. Uh, and even if you were a closet racist, you couldn't survive in this profession. It would come out and nobody. And again, I, I bring this point back up again and again, those officers who went to that call, and by the way, it was just showing was, was a backup officer. I mean, they, they went to a call of a guy passing a 20 a, 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 a possible, and I haven't seen the, the, you know, I don't, the police report hasn't been made public yet. And in fact, I would, I would challenge you to those guys were fired before they were at a chance to write a police report. Any report that's going to be made is going to have to be made from the body cam video, and that still has not been released. So they answer a call for a guy passing a bogus $20 bill, at least allegedly. This individual happens to be Mr. Floyd. It doesn't matter that Mr. Floyd is a convicted felon with a with horrific history, criminal history. Horrific, at least from the past. And that doesn't mean that he gets to be killed either because of his, of his criminal, that he a, was a criminal. That doesn't matter either. But these guys didn't go to a call saying, hey, let's go to a call today. Let's, let's wait for a call today that involves a black suspect in certain parts of Minneapolis. Almost all the suspects, depending on what neighborhood you're in, might be black or even from another country. And they say, hey, let's go to this call. With, by the way, again, with one of the responding officers is black. Let's go to a call and try to, do so, try to get our nation destroyed and get fired and go to jail all in the same time. None of those guys did that. So again, there's what the media is feeding people is jet fuel on a fire. And, and that really is what this comes down to. It, was it a bad act? Yes. Does Minneapolis PD, maybe in the past, have had a history of... Maybe some bad actors. Yeah, they have, they've had a history of the horrible leadership, um, a complete lack of any type of servant leadership at the top. But I have friends there, good cops. Most of the cops there are good. And a woman who made national news for putting down the shooter at New Life Church used to be a Minneapolis police officer. They fired her for cussing, for cussing at a, uh, uh, when she was a Minneapolis cop, they fired her for cussing at a bus driver. So I would say that Minneapolis PD uh, doesn't hesitate to fire officers, and, even, and their union is, is strong, but it's, they have a union that is, that is in the face, trying to help officers in the face of some, some of the most leftist anti-police uh, leadership and administration from the top, whether it be the mayor, the city council, and, and even the uh, handpicked uh, chiefs of police, have not been helpful to the Minneapolis Police Department. And even now, even now, you've got people saying, oh, the, 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 you're racist if you, if you uh, say that Mr. Uh, Floyd had a criminal history. Uh, he has a criminal history, that's true. You're racist if you say that he was on drugs. He, the toxicology shows that he's on drugs. There is no reason. We live in a reasonableness world in police work. And there's no reasonable. Uh, this guy's not going to go, hey, let me cause more riots by making up bogus information in in the autopsy. The autopsy report is the autopsy report. There's no personal opinion there other than can you render a, an opinion based on the cause of death, based on the evidence. So that the all the rest of the evidence has not been released. The body cam video is why? I keep going why. I think I think if the body cam video really showed really bad acts by the police, they've already showed it. I think the body cam video, this is this is a guess body cam video shows that at least some of the officers were trying to do the right thing. Um, But I don't know that because it hasn't been released.
0: Right. Yeah. And then that's one of those areas where you just, you have to say, well, we have to wait. We have to wait for the facts.
1: Right. And that's what I've said from the beginning. Wait, wait for the facts, wait for the facts, but you've got what's really behind what's going on is not anything. Mr. Floyd is a pawn in those seeking uh, to vilify law enforcement. And now they got their wish. And even I even had a fellow, uh, a colleague in my own agency call me out in a, we were having a, a Zoom meeting because we came up, we're not always together in the office. Anyway, uh, stated, a Quick call on the rioters. Uh, why? Well, the protesters. Uh, no, uh, we protect protesters, we arrest rioters. ''re you're, you're, you're a criminal. And, and and let me say this, if you're looting, you're, let's quit calling you a looter. I call them looters, but you're committing you're, some cases you're committing armed robbery. You're committing burglary.
0: <laughs> there is a clear distinction. You throw a brick through a window, you're not peaceful protesting anymore.
1: And, and if you're doing it by force, you're committing uh, an aggravated robbery. And people don't want to call it that, but that's what it is. And we've had a lack of leadership from the beginning. I'm not suggesting we go back to the to the to the 60s and be using uh, uh, fire hoses against innocent uh, peaceful protesters. But uh, a lot of other police agencies around the world still use fire hoses. I'm not rec- recommending that, but it but it's a crew served weapon that actually is really good at dispersing. Without, I'm not I'm not so much how much sure that a 40 millimeter uh, tennis ball shot into someone leaves a big nasty bruise is all that much better than than water, but. Um, I, 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 have been in numerous uh, use of force situations with including these, this latest and the police are being criticized for using far too little force. In other words, they're, they're being criticized saying your far too little force was too much. You should have just let them do. Uh, and that's ended up with what's happened in numerous cities. And even in my own, where the police have been ordered to stand down and let these people riot. And that is. That's a slap in the face to every law-abiding citizen who's losing property and having to repay, use their taxes to to clean up and even, in some cases, rebuild our capital and the other buildings downtown and, the, and all the looting and, and burning that took place in Minneapolis and other places around the country.
0: Right. When it brings up an interesting question, and I, I've thought this, you know, again, from the coronavirus situation to now rioting, it, it's very difficult to understand. So in the one case, you have Police officers in Idaho arresting people for playing in a park. Um, you got people in California being ticketed or stopped to see if they have papers. To Are they essential and can you go to work? We've had police officers show up at churches and attempt to stop services. And so you kind of had that response. And people are, I think rightly, even uh, I think it was the officer in Oregon who ended up getting fired and had a viral video about this. But it's very curious that, okay, on the one hand, you had that overreach happening. And now when the riots are taking place, I've had several law enforcement friends say to me, how in the heck do you let precinct buildings in New York get burned down? How do you explain that other than just allowing it to happen? So I'm curious your take on that. Why kind of the double standard? Like we're okay with rioters. We suddenly don't care about the virus at all. But before we were ticketing moms playing in a park with their kids.
1: Well, let me just say that the vast majority of those in my circle uh, in law enforcement um, and certainly here in Colorado. And numerous sheriffs coming out and saying we're not going to enforce these draconian rules and orders that aren't even substantiated by law. But, and I've been asked straight up because if, if you were ordered to go uh, cite someone or arrest someone for being in a park, uh, in violation of the order what would you do? And I said they would have to fire me. And and I say that, but I'm at the I'm at the end of uh maybe uh ten years ago when I'm still gonna you know still trying to I mean none of us are gonna have a great retirement. We're in law enforcement. None of us are very few of us are paid very well. You know if guys are thinking, do I want to lose my job over this? Look here here's the deal we need to remember that the most important thing that we, that we took an oath to is to enforce the Constitution. We are, even though we might have to fight for it, we may even lose, uh, we have a, our oath comes with an understanding that we are to refuse illegal order. And so in, in order to go arrest someone for violating a governor's says you got to wear a mask type deal, or particularly as it relates to churches, which the there is no exception in the Constitution as it relates to the freedom of assembly, lawful assembly, and freedom to gather for worship. There's nothing. There's nothing in the Constitution that says, mm. "Oh, um, if there's an if there's a pandemic, all this gets suspended." There's nothing in the Constitution that says that. Look, things have happened here in Brighton, Colorado. Uh, officers were, again they were dispatched to a call of a guy, which turns out to be an ex-state trooper. Uh, who knew enough how to literally egg on the like, please arrest me so I can make make a big case out of this um, he's in the park there's a sign in the park that says "The park is open while you egress you just can't play in the on the on the equipment in other words, you can be in the park and you can you, and to get to the trails which were open, you had to go through the park well, the police didn't the, the information was was confusing it was changing every day, and so the officers who responded to that call, didn't have the latest information. And they ended up putting this guy into custody. And thankfully, the supervisor said, you've got to cut him it loose. It's not illegal. It's, it's, you just arrested him for not doing anything illegal. So they, you know, they, they took the cuffs off and let him go. But that made national news. In Hawaii, there are some islands with only one highway. And so the cops are sitting on the highway going, Let's have, we're now in a target-rich environment based on the order. Anybody who's on this road, we're going to check their papers. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like Nazi Germany. Stop. We, we have to check your paper, okay, to see if you're, you know, make sure you're not Jewish or you're, that you're legally able to be about. That, sir, is not what we should be about. Uh, but I think overall, the, the exceptions become glaring. But overall around the country, uh, we, the law enforcement, has been extremely resistant and they've held their ground, I think, very well in saying, we're not going to, our business is not going out telling people to wear a mask. Now, a, a private business says, says um, you got to wear a mask to come in our business. Do they want to be stupid? Okay, you got to wear a mask come in here. Well, that's their right. And they say, unless you wear a mask, you can't come in here. That's their right. And if the person says, I refuse, then that's the right of the business to call the police. And then we would show up and say, you either need to leave or we can arrest you for trespassing we're not going to arrest you for your mask. We're going to arrest you for, uh, you know, you, you could be cited or arrested or detained for an actual violation of the law. And we can do that. But this is now the decisions that police officers are having to make. And, and they're not easy decisions. Um, and now of course, we're in the middle of this, this other thing. And we literally went almost within a couple of months from, taking some really giant steps forward where people were liking the police again to multiple steps back with this COVID and then 10 steps back now with what happened in, in Minneapolis. But again, I would state to you that the real reason that all these things are going on, that uh, Mr. Floyd is simply a pawn in a much bigger game.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true. And it, it's interesting, you know, you were talking about leadership and I have a friend uh, involved in law enforcement back east, and the you know police chief is a black man, and instead of stopping rioters and looters, went out and knelt with Black Lives Matter. And I asked him, I said, "Well, what did you think about that?" And he said, "It's a complete sellout of everything we are and do." So I'm curious, uh, your take on that, and and kind of what you've thought and seen as you've watched you know, cops kneeling, kind of, you know, and some of these, very clearly some of these groups have terrorist intent, right?
1: Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Our, our profession is God-ordained. Romans 13, a paraphrase that's on my ministry shirts and so forth, is that, that we, law enforcement, are God's ministers for good and a terror against evil. The minister, the word minister simply, in translated from the Greek, simply means servant. So we're servants for good, and we're supposed to be a terror against evil. Well, American law enforcement has been so emasculated, if you will, that we're no longer a terror against evil. And kneeling with people intent on our destruction is an abomination. Now, as a Christian, if cops legitimately want to kneel and to to my lord and savior, the greatest warrior ever lived, Jesus Christ, and seek his help, I'm good with that. But if we're kneeling in capitulation to people intent on our destruction, and, and again, I, I tell people to look at the facts. Black Lives Matter's intent is to destroy law enforcement. Uh, Antifa, law enforcement has considered Antifa to be a domestic terror group for a long time. You know, the president's talking about making this thing official. Well, unofficially, we already know they're terrorists. But any time that we capitulate to terror, we are doing a disservice to every law-abiding American that we took an oath to protect and serve. So again, I would state that we are here to protect to protect lawful assembly, lawful protest. But what would be unlawful? Well, if you block the road and you don't have the, the roads and blocked off, guess what you're doing? You're blocking the road. That's not legal anymore. Now your protest has turned into a riot. When you destroy property, when you're looting, burning, and so forth, you're committing felonies and they should be treated as such. So none of this should have ever gone on. Well, what if you don't have the resources? That's probably right. Back when I was a young rookie cop in San Antonio, we herded people in the, in the paddy wagon. We didn't even handcuff them. We just herded them in there and, and somehow another survived that, you know, like we didn't didn't even pat these people down. A bunch of drunks fighting at the end of the, you know, half a million people at a festival. And, and, and you're literally, they, it's, you give them orders, clear, clear the streets, they don't refuse. There was no second order. It was one order. You've been given a warning. Now we're going to. You cannot do that. And it should have been put down. And, and, I, and let me just say, and again, people, what would happen? If you throw an ax at a police officer, that is, that is a deadly force response. In other words, you're using deadly force against the police officer. It needs to be. A deadly force response. In other words, we, law enforcement has never been in a position where you have to let me stab you. You have to let me shoot you. I have to see you shoot me first, like in some old Western, before I can, I can shoot back. That is not our world. But now, uh, we've given more gas. We've, we've poured our own jet fuel on these rioters and, and affirmed them. So the kneeling issue becomes, what are you kneeling for? Are you kneeling in solidarity, seeking God of heaven? Are you kneeling in capitulation? And that's how I see it. You got you've got chiefs of police and even police officers begging forgiveness from rioters and protesters, even protesters. Well, that we're not those men. In other words, we I am not Chauvin in Minneapolis. Again, we have capitulated to evil. That's really what it comes down to. What's being perpetrated in our communities is wickedness, and we have we have allowed it to run. In, in direct defiance of God's command to us as police officers. Guys, you need to tell them straight up. You tell the media, we will not stand for destruction of property. And everybody, as soon as that stuff started, everybody needs to go to jail. You start cuffing these people at me and let everybody see you're doing it, then this would have stopped. Tear gas, all for it. Uh, but again, But again, we're getting lies. Look what happened in Washington, D.C. The president has been accused, who's, by the way, I should back up and say that our current president is the most pro-law enforcement president of my career, possibly in the history of our nation. Uh, I stood after eight years of the most anti-police administration in our nation's history, under the previous administration, vilified by, by that, that president. I stood with 40,000 of my brethren on the West Lawn of the Capitol on our National Memorial Day during Police Week in Washington, D.C. to hear my president say, this ends here. And I watched 40,000 of us, of all races, all backgrounds, with tears streaming down our face, to, to not be vilified for the first time in eight years, that, to know that a president had our back. So when the president of the United States decides he's going to go to a church, Well, I know some of the uniformed guys there in D.C., and they're like, the president just can't get out and walk around, because people want to kill him. So they had to clear a path. Well, U.S. Park Police cleared a path. And the media says they fired tear gas and rubber bullets at innocent protesters. Well, again, I tell people, to look at the evidence. None of that is true. None of the park police officers are wearing masks. They, wouldn't, they would not have put out tear gas and tear gas themselves. And there's no evidence in any of the pictures of rubber bullets. Okay? That simply did not happen. But the media is taking the American public down a road and they're buying into this. Walk, stock, and barrel. Right? We'll, we'll, we will all bow our knee, but it'd be the only one. And, and i said repeatedly, I will never, the only people I've ever knelt to in my life was in front of my wife when I asked her to marry me and before my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in the end, biblically speaking, even if you are God's enemy, everyone, everyone will kneel before our Savior.
0: One of the things I've noticed as a pastor and... Um, looking at how the church has responded. When the virus thing was going on and churches were being closed, many, many prominent evangelicals were saying, well, Romans 13, we need to obey our authorities. Now, I, and I had this week, I had a friend who goes to a huge megachurch in Dallas. It's Reformed, Acts 29 Church. And he said, man, I don't know what to do. My pastor is in the city marching with Black Lives Matter and we don't hear a word anymore in about this, about Romans 13. But I, I'm curious your take on the church. Like, ha, have you seen this? And and what do you make of it?
1: I'm part of a non-denominational church movement, which some people call the biggest non-denominational church in the, uh, you know, denomination in the United States, which is Calvary Chapel. Um, and I'm a Calvary Chapel guy. And, and why? Well, because we teach the Bible verse by verse, line by line. And we we hold to a you know a very very solid biblical uh, view. My both both the church the Calvary Chapel Church that I got saved at in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the one that I planted a, uh, a uh, uh, FCPO chapter at uh, here in the Denver Metro area that I served at actively served at for five years. Both of those churches posted that stupid um, uh, to blackout Tuesday meme which is a direct, a direct alignment with Black Lives Matter, which is sworn to kill us, kill law enforcement, um, put themselves out, and all based on a lie. Again, systemic racism is a lie, and there's no evidence for it. Zero, zippo, none. What, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely horrific. Um, based on, so they put that out there because they wanted to be inclusive. Well, there's another stupid word. Here, here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stand on the word of God. When these, first, when these things first came out, there are pastors who, said, who stood up and said, this, this, this thing here that you're doing, if I can show that you're actually doing this for public safety, for legitimate public safety, we want to, we want to go along with it for a period of time. But we're not, going to stick, we're not going to keep doing this. Everything as it relates to the church is illegal. In other words, telling churches that they cannot assemble is illegal. It's against the very First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. And there were too many pastors who said, we just want to go along with it. Well, and they said, Romans 13. Paul wrote Romans 13 in the middle of the most horrific, if you want to call it an administration, one of the most horrific despots of all history, and Emperor Nero. All government is ordained by God. God puts everyone one of those leaders in a position of leadership with an expectation that they would govern rightly. And the, and the context of Romans 13, 1 through 7, is that you are never to capitulate on your Christian faith. So rulers are to rule rightly. We're giving up our God-ordained God right to worship and call order to worship, Him, even at the peril of our lives. And I would have liked to have seen more pastors for the right reasons—not for money, not for the lack of a collection plate. For the right reasons, to say we refuse. But it's all of this, almost everything that's been ordered, has been based on false information, whether intentional or otherwise. And now, now you—you're right. You—we're seeing pastors aligning themselves with criminal movements in direct violation of God's law. Uh, my level of disappointment in both the church I was saved at and a church that I served at, whose pastor was a was a state trooper 's dad, aligning themselves with the only thing I can think is that they're that they're completely ignorant of what these groups are really all about they 're absolutely ignorant and and but then they're, they haven 't taken it down when when people rightly corrected them, so they've left them up so i 'm like well, what are you doing?"
0: But the church has kind of been asleep, and I, so I think it, it gets to be this situation where it's the air we breathe. We need warrior poets. We need people who stand up for freedom, um, who understand the call that Paul said, look, you got to fight the good fight. The, this life is a fight. And it's spiritual warfare, and you're going to have to be bold and courageous in the face of a culture that hates you.
1: In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen. And won their freedom. Well, we've given up our warrior calling as Christians. I'm not even talking about cops. God has called every, every Christian man to be warriors of faith. I, I, look at, I look at Luther, by far an imperfect guy, and, he, and what does he do? He stands before the Diet of Worms, under penalty of being burned at the stake, and says, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. We need men who will say, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. We need pastors who will say, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. We need Christian cops. And again, with my, my profession is a mission field. I look just to that Christian man. Where, where are the Christian fathers who will, say, who will stand up and say, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise? Why cannot you do otherwise? Because Jesus Christ says you cannot do otherwise. As I look back at the movie Courageous, where are you men of courage? Be strong and courageous. Have I, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous today as a church and as a profession, but as a church should be saying, I am here for a time such as this. When we should have a code three of what I call lights and siren, code three, sense of urgency to bring the lost to faith and to stand firm on God's word. When everybody else is capitulating. And, and again, where are you? Where are where you men of courage? I, I love the, even the title of, of, you know, your of your hard, hard men. God is looking for hard men. He's not looking for soft men. And, and he even says, he goes, be, the word says, be a man. Stand up, be strong. Be of courage. And, and that's what he's called us to, and that's what we've, we have, we have surrendered that as men, and as fathers. I mean, what passes for pastors someday in America, uh, I will tell you is an abomination before a righteous and holy God. And those people will be held accountable. They'll be held accountable for not standing firm on, what, on God's word instead of the culture.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a great word. I think that's uh, exactly what we need. And I think for the men and for all our listeners, I've, I've been encouraged that there are men who see that, who resonate with that message and just keep encouraging them uh, to, to be the men of courage that God has called you to be. Well, Mike, I appreciate having you on the show. It's been absolutely phenomenal to talk to you, and I would encourage everyone to go on Facebook, follow your ministry, and really to be praying for law enforcement, be praying for Mike and others who are doing the good work of the ministry there. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's where the the front
1: line is. Well we need it more than ever uh, i I for, on behalf of my profession, we cover your prayers. I will tell you that we are we are, an ex- right now, uh, the morale among law enforcement is the lowest I've ever seen in our nation in my, in my lifetime. And we, we are tired. There's cops lining up to retire and quit. Again, it, I, look at, I look at hard men. God is looking for tender warriors, not uh, abusive men, but hard men who will live out our call to be loving uh, servant warriors. And, and brother, the most unloving thing that we could do is to capitulate on that call. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? <laughs> right against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Aye. Right. Fight and you may die. Run. And you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds, many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days, from this day to that, for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And so by, here's if you really want to break it down, you want to fix everything that's wrong? My deal is I want to get every cop I can saved. Because if we fill our professions with all-in, sold-out warrior, uh, servant warriors, servant leaders, Christian servant warriors, servant leaders in our profession, we can change our profession, we can change our our communities, we can change our state, we can change our nation. If we fill government with sold-out Christians, we can do amazing things. Well, what an encouraging word and great
0: conversation with M.C. Williams. You can find him on Facebook. That's M.C. as in Mike Charlie. Williams. And as always, we appreciate you following along with the Hard Men podcast. Of course, you can follow me at ericconn.com. That's E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. And on Twitter, Eric E-R-I-C underscore C-O-N-N. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.